0: Hello, and welcome to the Convenience Mix podcast, brought to you by ConvenienceStore.co.uk, Lumen Intelligence, and The Grocer. Every four weeks, our experts will be dissecting the key trends impacting the UK convenience retail sector, sharing exclusive insight, and the latest news coverage straight to your ears. Whether you work on a shop floor or in a head office, this podcast will provide you with actionable insights and best-in-class examples from a thriving convenience sector. As always, please don't forget to subscribe by Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming platform, so you don't miss an episode. My name is Aidan Fortune, editor of ConvenienceStore.co.uk. As always, I'm joined by my fantastic co-host Blani Whist, Inside Director of Lumen Intelligence.
1: Hi Aidan.
0: And News Editor at The Grocer, Ronan Hegarty. Hey there Aidan. Thanks everyone. So first up, some positive action in Scotland. Some new legislation which makes abusing, threatening, or attacking shop workers in Scotland a specific offence has come into effect. This was tabled by General John Johnson, MSP and went through Scottish Parliament with widespread support. It's still early days for the legislation, so we won't know if it's made an impact or not for some time, but it's a real show of support for retail staff by government. In the rest of the UK, however, it's a different story. Repeated attempts to introduce similar legislation has, have been voted down by MPs, and this comes despite a NUSDAH petition receiving more than 100,000 signatures that had to support retailers and trade bodies.
2: So first off, I mean, Will this make a difference, Ronan? Um, I think the key, I mean, it's a sad day that such legislation is really needed in the first place. Um the fact that, you know, particularly at a time when in the last year and a half or so, when retailers and, and staff in, in stores have been doing their very best to keep the nation fed, keep the nation safe, that actually attacks and violence and threats of violence have, have been on the rise against them is, is is truly, truly shocking and heartbreaking in many cases. Um, I think it will have an effect. I mean, it give workers... Uh, an assurance that, you know, that, you know, the the, the, the threats against them, the crimes against them are being taken seriously. I think not be initially, you know, it won't have an immediate impact. It won't immediately stop people who are likely to create a crime. Won't, they won't immediately stop because of this law. But um, as, as it's all about the importance of recording these crimes and, and being taken seriously by the police and by the courts. And, and as you sort of record these crimes, the police can get a better picture of, of who's doing what, where the crime or hotspots are. They can, you know, put their resources more where it's needed and things like that. So in the long term, I think it will have a very important impact and, and, and definitely be a helpful tool for, for retailers and their staff.
1: And the pandemic has really exacerbated this issue. I mean, rules around face masks, obviously higher levels of public fear, it just means that many shop staff have felt an unfair level of responsibility on, on them to be both retail staff and policing their customers. Um, it's great that there is a hope and especially considering the importance of friendly staff on customer experience, anything that jeopardises that is, is really a business issue.
0: A recent um, ACS crime report um, showed that 89% of colleagues working in shops experienced some form of abuse. Um, with 1.2 million incidents recorded over the last year, that begs the question: Why hasn't this legislation been? Is why isn't it being introduced in the rest of the UK?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It just seems like such a no brainer. I mean, I guess the, the argument against it is that, you know, it is technically already a crime to assault and threaten people whether they're shop workers or not. Um, but we have seen in the past um, special sort of uh, legislation being given for um, crimes uh, uh, and attacks against, you know, the emergency services and uh, and just upweighting the level of uh, offence that is. And I think there's, the time is right now that that should be the case for, for retail workers because it's, it, it's such a flashpoint. And, you know, um, as, as you mentioned, the attempts have been tried to make it um something that we'll see in the rest of the uk um i understand that there is still a, a glimmer of hope um as the uh the current sort of police and crime bill crime policing bill goes through the uh through the lords um uh, in september that um that, that a uh, an amendment might be added that sort of tries to match up the the, the uk law with, with the scottish law but uh I guess we won't hold our breath on that until we see it
0: absolutely and then as you've mentioned ron and the onus becomes on retailers to start reporting these crimes as much as possible and far too often these these crimes are just left because they feel that not there's no support for them
2: that's it and um the more crimes are reported, the more seriously they will be taken. And I think the Scottish law really puts the onus now back onto the police that they have now to take those crimes seriously, um, and as do the courts when it comes to sentencing. So um, hopefully that those days of, yeah, oh, well, this just is a matter of course, it's part of the job, hopefully that attitude will soon, uh, soon be a thing of the past, certainly in Scotland. Absolutely. And fingers crossed it, it becomes uh, commonplace across the rest of the UK, this legislation.
0: so. Onto the main topic for today's episode, we'll be looking at regulations surrounding products high in fat, salt and sugar products, or HFSS. Due to be implemented in October 2022, the legislation surrounds the location and promotion of these products. And while there's still a year before it's due to come into effect, the work to ensure stores are compliant has already begun. So what exactly does this mean for retailers? The proposed restrictions mean that retailers will not be able to put HFSS products within two meters of a checkout area, within two metres of a designated queuing area, in an end of aisle display, or at the entrance to a store. Volume promotions such as multi-buys and buy one get one for products deemed to be in the scope of HFSS regulations would also be affected. There are some exemptions that are particularly relevant to the convenience sector. If a store has fewer than 50 employees and isn't a member of a single group of franchise, they are exempt from both the location and promotion restrictions. Also, if a store has more than 50 members of staff or is part of a single group or franchise operation, but the store is less than 2,000 square feet, then it is exempt from the location restrictions, but not the promotion restrictions. So if your store is more than 2,000 square feet and you're part of a single group or have more than 50 employees, both sets of restrictions will apply to you. That's a lot of information to unpack right there, but I think the most pertinent question surrounding this issue is, should retailers be worried about this?
2: I think they should. I think it's uh, it's a big deal that's coming down the line. Um, we've he- heard about this legislation coming for a couple of years now. We've, we've known that it's on the way. And, you know, I'm sure a few retailers breathe a sigh of relief uh, recently when they it was delayed for that further six months until until this time, roughly, next year. But a the, the year will, will happen pretty quickly. And, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of... Of occasions and when you get these legislations that often the important changes that need to be made in store by retailers or the things that will impact retailers um retailers don't act quickly enough and then it suddenly becomes a bit of a panic and a bit of a uh, a rush and, and, and an expense really to to get it all sorted so there is a year to go but i think it's worth taking it seriously from now
1: yeah it's absolutely huge crisps and snacks soft drinks and confectionery are categories in convenience and are actually in about one in five of all convenience baskets. And we know that over half of shoppers in convenience actually are purchasing on impulse, so they're not even planning these purchases they're making. And we're seeing that through these categories like crisps and snacks, soft drinks and confectionery. And these shoppers are really reliant on promotions and, and also visual cues to make these purchases. So actually, one in three of these impulse purchases are because they saw it and and felt tempted in the moment, and that really highlights the challenge that retailers will face in both maintaining visibility of these channels, but also coping with these new regulations.
0: Absolutely, and as Ronan says, um, the, the, the year may it may be a year away, but we're, we're coming into Christmas season now, so three months of that will be taken up by the Christmas period, and and the fallout from that. Um, and it's also important to note, as Blani, you've mentioned, just how far reaching amongst categories this legislation is. It, it takes in so much. And really, I think retailers may be caught on the hop on this.
1: Yes, completely. Over four in 10 shoppers actually purchase an item on promotion. And in particular, this is really going to infect younger shoppers. And they currently are a bit of a problem within the channel and, and tend to under index in, in convenience. That really means that HFSS regulations will have a greater impact on these shoppers, also urban areas where the population is younger. And the only avenue out of that really is a total rethink and expanding
0: promotions to to categories
1: which are, which are
0: compliant. So the restrictions, when they finally come into effect, could cause chaos for some retailers. But that creates opportunities for others. A lot of convenience stores will be exempt due to their size. So how can they make this work to their advantage?
2: Well, you know, obviously, if, if you're not impacted, then you as a store can, uh, I mean, you have an opportunity to uh, become a destination for certain products. I mean, I think it's a tricky one for retailers. I mean, you can uh, potentially become known. There's a danger that you become known as a, a sort of, you know, the purveyor of junk food in in. in uh, in great cheap cheap promotions and things like that so i think you have to be a bit a bit circumspect about it but there's still an opportunity for um categories such as soft drinks confectionery and so you know, to, to 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 have good choice, to have good range, to have good um, to, to have good deals. I mean, there's still the importance of, of of a good value offer there. So there is definitely an opportunity for retailers to uh, um, who aren't impacted by the uh, by the legislation to to really set themselves up with something different.
1: Yeah, I think there are lots of opportunities. Um, obviously, we'll talk about meal deals um, and, and changing channels, but. The, in terms of store location, it's, it's extremely important because 19% of purchases are actually picked up in these restricted areas, and three out of the top 10 purchase locations in store actually fall into the restricted pro- promotional areas under the new regulations. So actually, the locational restrictions will be absolutely huge, and, and a, a full store refit isn't exactly an easy option.
0: The, the timeline has already been delayed by six months to October 2022 to allow businesses more time to adapt. Uh, the Association of Convenience Stores has gone on record saying that this is still too soon. Um, are, are we looking at another
2: DRS situation which just keeps getting delayed, leaving retailers in limbo? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, these things have a tendency to, uh, to to have a lifespan of all, all of their own. That, uh, a consultation gets followed by further consultation consultation and further delays so and um, i think the important message however for retailers is that they shouldn't be banking on any further delays and they need to be uh they need to be acting you know with with the idea of, of next october's uh deadline in mind um i think i think the other obviously interesting point that you mentioned then is um you know about when it comes to refurbing your stores uh, and decisions that are made around that, I mean, decisions often also get made as to, you know, am I going to join a symbol group to be part of, uh, you know, as part of this refit and refur- refurb, so that is going to be, these are decisions that are going to be made, you know, now that will have that impact, for, you know, a year from now. So um, it's it's a lot for research to get their head around and uh, obviously that, you know, we, we, we talk there could be delayed, but I think the most important thing for users is that it prob- might, probably might not.
1: Yes, I agree. I think it's possible it'll be delayed, but it's so important to be ready. And change takes time. So if you want to review a refit or or different promotional rethinks range, then then that will take a lot of time as well. And if I was in this position, I would be thinking about having an early review of all meal deals, for example. And it's really about putting any energy you have for business changes in in the right place with this warning of HSSS regulations. And I think it is a good opportunity for these categories to work with retailers and and be involved in the right snack meal deals, replacing promotions, um, because obviously that's going to be a huge opportunity going forwards.
0: And Ronan, you mentioned about retailers considering symbol groups um, for unaffiliated retailers. Could, could this be a deal breaker for joining a symbol group, in your opinion?
2: Well, it could be. I mean, it's certainly, um, you know, we've seen large by and large over the last uh, last decade or so that um, more retailers have been turning to security or the umbrella of a symbol um, uh, and the help and the retail expertise that they bring. Um but for those confident retailers who, who know, you know, know what they're doing, know, know what they are looking for, um, then, it's, uh, then it's a potential that they might say, right, we'll try and go this alone for a time. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the joining a symbol also comes with that sort of help in terms of investing in your store and, and things like that. So when it comes to sort of the finances needed for uh, the symbols are, are obviously a key Important, important part of the chain. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 just more difficult decisions for retailers. But um, I think working with your symbol to work work on how you can manage this transition and manage to get the best out of and work working around these legislations might be the uh, you know just as valid an option as as, as going it alone as such.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, working with a symbol means retailers, they don't have to brave this alone. Uh, we've seen some really good work done by groups um, and suppliers to get ahead of the legislation. Uh, when working on those can and down stores, Appleby Westwards, they took HFSS into account to ensure the layout would be compliant. And other others are working on this.
1: I think retailers can also get support from suppliers as well. Um, so there are lots of suppliers who are really keen to work with retailers, possibly reformulating. Uh, So we've seen people like Kellogg's um, completely cut sugar, um, which will be a really um, important change. And we're seeing lots of new products which are coming out, which especially in the sort of crisps and snacks area, which will make um, a little bit of an easier decision for retailers who want to be compliant and and get ahead of the game.
2: Yeah, I think uh, suppliers are really important in this and I think that while some are certainly doing doing what they can and, and, and helping retailers and working closely with retailers, wholesalers and the like, I think probably there's a lot more suppliers um, need to be thinking a bit harder about what they can do to to, to manage that retail journey, to custom manage the customer journey for retailers. Um, because, you know, it is going to be tricky and uh, the people with the resources and the people that ultimately want to get their products sold in the right way are, are going to be the suppliers. So I think that they definitely need to step up here.
0: Is there danger they may be focusing on other channels?
2: certainly there could be and uh, you know when it comes to it, they they their their major multiple customers will often have a have a priority access to to what's going on there but uh, I, I think they have to realize you know in particularly when it comes to um certain hfss categories that the convenience channel is is almost just as important as, as the mults um so really there the work needs to be done across across the board so and then two further
0: questions spring to, to mind around this and um, firstly I mean for stores that can't put HFSS products near checkout or queuing areas what do they put there do they load it up with alcohol and then in two years time we're looking at similar restrictions for that category what goes in those spaces
1: well changes to store space allocation does open up an opportunity for all the categories which aren't impacted by this regulation so they can swoop into these spaces and Or possibly create additional spaces where they're already located. Um, So we've seen um, actually lots of uh, differences in categories which um, do quite well at end of aisle displays, displays at front of stores, or or display of till. Um, But the risk is that you're removing an HFSS non-compliant category and you're replacing it with something like BWS, which is possibly uh problematic further down the line,
2: yeah, but I think we've seen i think through the pandemic and how um customers how they started shopping convenience shops completely differently almost overnight and going from those sort of um high value uh food to go categories into sort of more traditional groceries that the retailers can respond quickly and they they can. They they can manage their store and manage their ranging to to adapt sort of thing. So it'll probably be a little bit of suck it and see that um, you know retailers will, will will be able to trial different things in different locations and, and and even if it's the potential of actually you know devoting space to areas where you know customers can actually come and, and spend more time in the store rather than sort of looking for that sort of um, immediate sort of up- you know, promotional sort of ends and stuff like that then they might come and use the store differently
1: I do believe that it will be a case of these core categories so uh, crisps convec and soft drinks actually pivoting within those categories though they're more likely to reformulate because they won't want to give up that prime short store space
2: yeah and we saw that obviously with the soft drinks, um, you know, the, the sugar tax, or the, um, as it was so called, um, and we saw that instead of actually meaning by and large there was higher pr- prices for consumers, it was the suppliers that reformulated in order to keep meeting those price points. So I think as this legislation sort of, um, you know, gets, get, goes through its journey that uh, the suppliers will be looking to, to see what they can do to manage it best. Excellent. And, and
0: secondly, and this may not even be one for us to answer, HFSS legislation was created to tackle long-term obesity with a focus on children. Will it make a difference?
2: Um, that's a, probably the million-dollar question. <laughs> the, uh, I, I mean, it's just one of a million factors of, of this debate. You know, um, there's diet across the board that you know advertising of hfs products um lack of exercise um, you know there's just so so many elements i mean i wouldn't suggest that it's not a reason not to give it a go but um but it's certainly not going to be like the silver bullet that's going to change uh, change the levels of obesity within the country but that doesn't mean it's not worth doing
1: considering the popularity of the categories that are affected where they're bought in store and how many of those visits are unplanned, it, it does suggest that it will have a big impact and it will make a difference. Um, and and what I'm hearing from retailers is a lot less against fighting the restrictions. It's a much much stronger focus on okay, how can I how can I repivot? How can I change my store to to be compliant?
2: Yeah, I think um, retailers have seen by and large over the years, whether it's been other categories like tobacco and um, things like that, that ultimately these legislation comes in, it's up to them and their stores working with their suppliers to make the best of it rather than, uh, you know, potentially fighting something that, you know, is going to come in, whether, you know, whatever they say, really. Yeah, I I agree. It's, it's, It's part of the solution, but it's not
0: going to be successful in isolation and finally we're still a year out from this what do you advise retailers to do now to stay on top of the issue for me i suggest speak to your symbol group to discuss your options as you pre- previously mentioned some groups have plans in place for this so if you haven't already retailers should be getting in touch with them now to see what support
2: they can provide yeah absolutely and if uh, if uh, a retailer's wholesaler or symbol group hasn't got plans in place then they need to be uh Clamouring, you know, outside their offices, saying, you know, what, what, what is it you're going to help me with? Because otherwise, potentially they could move to another symbol. Who is going to help them? Because, yeah, that's got to be the the biggest um, network of support for retailers. So, it, it's definitely something that uh, all symbol groups and wholesalers really need to be taking very, very seriously.
1: I would start planning. Um, Although these impulse categories are picked up in restricted areas the most, it's about focusing on the opportunities that exist. Um, So, for example, retailers can focus more on rethinking the pack size options that they're having. Maybe brand reviews are really important for crisps and snacks at the moment. MPD is much more of a focus for confectionery shoppers right now. Um, And for soft drinks, it's actually pack format that's sort of front of mind. So I would be planning around all these things um, and, and using the
0: time that, that's given. Sound advice. I'm afraid that's all we have time for in this episode. Thank you again to my co-hosts Blani and Ronan and to you, the listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe via your chosen podcast streaming platform and see you next month.